0: Welcome to Restoration City Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed by this message. We um, do want to honour the fathers. Growing up, I can't remember us ever in church having a Father's Day. I can't recall that happening. But we certainly want to celebrate the fathers and, and celebrate the men as well it's it's exciting to talk about fathers because it was one of those subjects that I probably would have shied away from. Um, the challenge that I have is when you're growing up and you grow up without a father, you kind of work and you have to navigate your way through and there's no book really that you can read and give you day-by-day day instructions apart from the wonderful word of the Lord. And so I've had to pattern my life after the word of God. And, and I don't think I've done too bad with my, with my children. All right, you don't want to say, give me, I oh, can thank you. Leave me hanging, leave me hanging. But certainly <coughs> how we raise children certainly has changed. When I see how grandma is with the children, the things they get away with, we never, never would, no, it just wouldn't happen. And you know when they're going around and introducing grandma to their partners, and i was thinking we weren't even allowed to bring partners into, into the house. Wasn't allowed to do any of that. But just the way of how things have changed, and over over the years just watching and especially for myself wanting to ensure that the most important role that i have is to be a good father and to be a good husband is an important role sometimes we focus on our spiritual roles our jobs and that lot and we forget about the main important role we have so i wanted to share a little bit Four things really, it's very simple things, four simple things, but I'm going to make it look really big, because that's what I have to do, you have to stretch it out. But there's four things really that I want to talk about, because when we're talking about uh, fathers, there is a certain prerequisite of being a good father, and part of being a good father means you need to be a good man. Anyone could be a dad, but not everyone can be a father. This anyone could call themselves dad, but to be a father, there's certain prerequisites. You don't just turn up or ton up, and you become a good father. It's process. It's work. And so, as a man, you've got to know how to function as a man. You've got to know how to take responsibility as a man. You've got to know how to think like a man and act like a man. And these are all prerequisites of being a good father. And the important thing for me when you talk about being a man, I, be, I believe that being a man, Dr. Ed Cole says, being a man and being Christ-like is synonymous. If you're going to be a real man, you need to be like Christ. And being like Christ will put you in the right stead of being a real man. And if you are a man after God's own heart, then you're going to be a good father. They all kind of come packaged together. And so I want to just share a little bit about four things about the blessings of a Father, the blessings of a father, because there's some things that you can I can preach with with confidence, and there's some things I've had to learn along the way. And there's four things I really want to touch. Because for those of you who don't know, my father died in 19 I think it was 1972, or so. I was only like about four years old, or something like that, five years old. So I don't really know. When people talk about fathers, I didn't know what that was i had my brother my eldest brother stepped in and took on that role of being the father in the house he's he was my eldest brother and so we looked up to him as a father and then in the church world we have we we how we were raised was our bishops our apostles the senior leaders of the organization were also seen as our spiritual fathers and we looked to them I was very privileged to, as a young boy, when the apostle used to come to my house, I was so inquisitive. I always was hanging around so nosy and wanted to be in all the private meetings, try to get my my ears listening to what was was going on. And he was very kind. He was very gracious, a very short man. He was very gracious. And um, he would allow me to go on his pastoral visits. And mainly because my mom just wanted me out of the house. Just, she just wanted a little peace and quiet. So I would follow him. He had a blue Cortina at the time and I will follow him and he would go to different people's homes as pastoral visits. And I'll be there or watching how he shared the word and pray with people. And the sad thing was when it was time, unfortunately, when he was, he, he was very ill and I, I, I went to the hospital and and just before the nurses called all the, my aunt and the others they called them out of the room and I was left alone with him and i was I, I was a young person i was a very confident person so whilst i was there and i can see he was in a lot of pain i will be singing songs of worship to comfort him because that's how we that's how we do things we will read scriptures and you know, we we sing songs of comfort to him. And I'll never forget that as as they left the room he reached out and he held my hands. And he was in a lot of pain. He had lost so much weight that it was just you you didn't feel flesh on his on his hands, it was literally just bones. And he prayed with me. He prayed with me. We was the only two people in the room. And he prayed with me. And I felt something transferred into my life. And it was something that I considered, it was like a mantle was passed to me. And this was something I believe should have been for his sons, but his sons weren't there. And you can't die and hold a mantle onto you. It has to be there. Somebody has to transition and pass the mantle to And so I knew at that time that something had happened but I was so young I couldn't put it into words. But it let me understand. I'm saying that because it let me understand how important a father's blessing is. I didn't have it with my own personal father but I had it with a spiritual father and how important it is. And so I want to share a little bit about our father because many of our struggles that we have is how our fathers treated us, sometimes that's how it's reflected in how we understand fatherhood. It has to be based on something. And sometimes we struggle with the word father. If it was Mother's Day, it's not a problem. But when it comes to father, Father's Day, there's always this little bit of awkwardness. So I'm going to make it even more awkward. Is that all right? I'm going to make it. I can see you're uncomfortable at the moment because you're thinking, where is Pastor D going to go? So I'm going to upset some of you. Is that okay? Okay, I'm going to do it anyway because i got the mic. So I'm in charge. But if you, if you, the opposite is 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 true. There is certain key things that makes up a good father. But if you really want to mess up as a, good, as a as a father, there's a couple of things you can do. If you're a person who's very inconsistent, if you're inconsistent, you're going to cause yourself to be a bad father. You're going to have some issues. If you're a person who who's just impossible to get on with you're not going to be a very good father. You're going to cause a lot of issues. And if you are one of these fathers that are invisible, you know, you've got this special trick to be invisible, then you're going to have some issues. And so some of us have had to deal with some of these these along the way. And so the questions that I really To us for for myself is how strong as a father, how strong is your relationship with your children. And as I said, the way how we think about God sometimes has much to do with how we how we become parents. And especially in terms of the image that we portray when we talk about a father. And so I, I appreciate that many. Many people struggle when we deal with fatherhood um, because, as I said, sometimes we are dealing with situations outside of our control when there was an absentee of fathers. Uh, In my case, he wasn't there, so I've had to grow up without a father. Um, and, and so sometimes that has some, some repercussions. Sometimes you're dealing with some struggles. I know as a teenager, just for time, I, as a teenager, I struggled with that. When I reached 15, 16, not having a father was a real challenge for me. It hit me really hard at that particular age. But regardless of what the situation is, we all have an opportunity to start again. There's always an opportunity for a fresh start. And None of us can use the excuse, especially for men, that we didn't have no fathers to show us what needs to be done. Because the Word of God shows us what a good father is all about. So we can't use that excuse. So I'm going to just pull out four principles if you go with me to the book of Genesis chapter 27. I'm just going to use that as just a basis of, there's so much other scriptures, but I'm going to use it as a basis of just putting out four principles today that we can help. And when I'm talking about good fathers, I'm not just talking about only you um, in regards to your blood children. But as a father, there's other children that we can, other influence we have on children as well. As a father, so I'm not just just putting this down just to only me and my family. Only we we're in the kingdom. We, we're bigger than that. So I hope you understand this. So when I'm talking about fathers, we're bigger than that. I saw as a a a uh, when my father died, there were seven children, and we saw the different. I saw the different elders and deacons who would come to our house, the different bishops, and, and pastors who would come to our house and and help us. Some of the help we had was physical. Some of the times when some of the bishops turn up, it will be more spiritual, pulling the family together, praying together, make sure we are, we are tight together as a family. And anyone who knows my family will know my family is tight. My family is incredibly tight. I may not see my sister for a year, but don't play with us. You know, we, we, as soon as we see each other, we connect. We don't have, I don't have no issues when it comes to my, my family because we were raised to be a tight family, and so that tightness, I I I bring that into the church because that's my 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 the way of how I was raised was to be a tight person, really tight around my family. So in in Genesis chapter twenty-seven, I'm going to just kind of put some 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 things together. Um, for us to just have a look at So go with me to Genesis Before I go to verse gen- Genesis 20 um, I'm going to go Let me go to Genesis 20 Let me just see what verse Just bear with me I'll put all of this down I color coded it So I wouldn't get it wrong Yeah. So go with me, please, to Genesis chapter 25. And in Genesis chapter 25, it speaks about that Abraham fathered Isaac in verse number 20. And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah and... Verse 21, and Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebecca, his wife, conceived. Verse 22, and the children struggled within her. So she had twins, and the children were struggling within her. And the Lord said, and the Lord said to her in verse number 22, two nations are in your womb, and two people from within you shall be divided. One shall be stronger than the other. The other shall serve the younger. But I want you just to go down a little bit in verse number 28. Because 28 is where the root of the problem is. So Isaac has two sons. He's got Esau and Jacob. In verse number 28 it says this. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his gain, But Rebekah, his wife, loved Jacob. Right there is where we have a problem. Where the father is saying, uh, I prefer my son Esau because he's more rugged. He's, he's, he, I can see my DNA in him. He's the kind of person, he's the worker. He wants to go out there and work and make his own way in life. And I like that kind of get up and go type of attitude. So the father, was more gravitated towards his son Esau. But Rebecca was different because Jacob, how Jacob was, Rebecca kind of felt more, she more pampered Jacob. So what you have is a father loving one seems to be loving one son more than the other. Because they, you know, when people say, well, why can't you be like your brother? Because we're different. When you're trying to compare your children, when your children are different, one could be an academic and one could be a pract, one could be a person who's more practical. They have different different ways, but the issue, the real foundation, starts from this. Isaac loved Jacob, but Rebecca loved Jacob. Sorry, Isaac loved Esau, but Rebecca loved Jacob cuz one of the problems that men have boys have is trying to get the attention of their father. When you can get the, your father's attention, it's a big thing. Some of the women this is going to go right over you. I'm just going I'm just trying to help you. Especially as a young boy, you want to have your father's attention and if your father is have a preference over someone more than you we have an issue i'm going to help break it down what happens sometimes with children who are raised in church where their parents are leaders in church when you grow up like that sometimes we have issues Oh, they not me. I'm going to help. I'm going to help you. The reason is, as a child, as a child growing up, when our parents were so involved in church, when you wanted your parents' attention, you couldn't always get your parents' attention because it's always directed towards the church. So when you have stuff going on at school and you want your, and his parents evening or sports day or some kind of activity that you want your parents to come to. And sometimes, you know, all the other children are going to bring their parents. And then you come home and you say, mom, dad, I've got an event. I'm going to be playing or doing a play at school. And it's on the same day as prayer meeting." What happens is you're trying to compete for your parents' attention. This is going to get this is going to get good. And so 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 what happens is sometimes children who are whose parents are leaders in the church, you would always feel that they should be flying high. But sometimes what's going on underneath you don't understand. Because your parents may, you may turn up to certain events that your children do. But when you have responsibilities in church, and you're not giving the attention that's needed to your children, because church is becomes the other child, sometimes as a child you're competing with attention, because it seems like your parents have the church, and the church is the second child. The church is the Jacob, and you're trying to compete. You're trying to, or the church should be, is like the Esau, you're trying to compete because you're trying to get your father's attention, and it doesn't always work out that way. So sometimes you find for pastor's children or bishop's children or leader's children, you sometimes find that they, they grow up resenting the church letting you into a secret I'm letting you into what's going on reality because you may be wondering how comes this 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 particular person how comes their parents are in church and they're not in church because when the pastors or the leaders have to pay m- more attention to their congregation and they haven't got the balance right that child will grow up resenting the church because you took away my parents from me. You took away the time, the time that I should have spent with my parents. The parents were too busy sorting out church affairs. So the minute I reach 16 and 17, I'm gone because I don't want to. These are the church people are the people that I competed against and lost And that's why sometimes as pastors, you can have a wonderful bishop, you can have a wonderful apostle, you can have a wonderful pastor. But if you don't take care of your children, they will leave the church. So there's a wrestling for attention and for affection. So what happens is when you now get to Genesis chapter 27, uh, help us. Now what's happened is Jacob wants to compete because he wants his father's blessing. He wants his father's blessing so much, he's willing to cheat and lie for it. With the help of his mom. Are you hearing me? With the help of mom. But I want you just to, to just look at some principles with me as I navigate through this. Because when I get to Genesis chapter 27, the, the Bible tells us in Genesis 20, 27 that Isaac is now getting old and he sends his son and he says, go and get me some food, go and get me some game so that when I finish, I can bless you. And so what the mother does is she plays some tricks and say, what we need to do is I'm going to make you look like your brother. I'm going to make, I'm going to do some things so that you become almost like uh, a rip off of of your brother. I'm going to try to fix you up so that you're not yourself. In order to be blessed, You cannot be yourself. I want you to be someone else. And that's always going to be an issue when your children have to be someone else to compete. When your children cannot be themselves, they have to put on some show. They have to put on some other way, some other attitude, some other stuff, just to get your attention. Fathers, are you in the house? I'm going to break this down. But in order for the blessing, in verse number 22, the first thing I want you to note that is so important about the father is the father's touch. Someone say touch. That verse 22, so Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice. But the hands are Esau, the hands of Esau. Because what happened was Jacob had to put on some stuff to to pretend that he was his brother. And his father said to him, verse number 26, His father Isaac said to him, come near my son so that I can kiss you. One of the key things, help me now. One of the key things about fathers is that messages are conveyed through touch. And it's a shame in our culture that when we talk about a father's touch, most time we only know a father's touch when it comes to beating our skin. The only time we know about a father's touch is wait till your dad comes home. Because you're really going to feel it. And so when we talk about the Father's touch, and especially when we start to translate that into ministry, sometimes we struggle when you you hear the Father's touch because you don't hear touch of affection. You hear touch of punishment. Are you hearing me? You guys are so quiet. If If you help me, I'll work this thing. And so sometimes it's very hard because because of the relationship we had with our Father, we have an issue when it comes to our relationship with our Heavenly Father. That's why some people only see God as a Father of judgment and punishment and discipline because the touch which they had was not a good touch. The touch which they had was okay. That's what we get because that was how some of us was raised. With Lord, I'm, I'm going to go. Let me go into some scriptures because you all ain't helping me today. In First Thessalonians two verse eleven, it says this: First Thessalonians two verse eleven. As you know we exalted and comforted and charge every one of you as a father does his children. The father's touch is supposed to help to exalt you, to build you up, to comfort you. But sometimes what we have received in return has not been good. The touch has not been a good touch. And as I said, messages are conveyed through the way how we touch and lay hands in bible times anytime a blessing was to be released it had to be through touch blessings were always released through touch through a kiss through an embrace it's supposed to be something that that affects you and change you. So when we're talking about the father blessing us, when you're asking God to bless you, it means he has to touch you. When a pastor, when, you're, when your father's supposed to be blessing you, your father's supposed to touch you. And the message is conveyed by touch. It's just what message do you receive? Shall I take this a little bit further because you look a bit quiet? When you go to to Jesus. In let's let's go to this because you guys are so quiet. I'm going to have to I'm going to have to convince you. Let's go to Mark chapter 10. Let's go to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Verse number 13. Then they brought young children to Jesus. Why do you bring the children to Jesus? Look at this. That he might touch them. You bring the children to Jesus. Why? Because the touch of a father is so important. Your touch As a father, and as I said, I'm not just talking about our own children. The touch of a father, you see how Cleveland is with his children? That touch is a touch of comfort. That touch is a touch of reassurance. When a father can hold you and touch you, it brings assurance. So if you're going into a situation and you're nervous and your father touches you, that touch brings confidence. It brings reassurance. It means everything is going to be all right. And so they brought, um, and they brought young children to Jesus that he might touch them. But the disciples didn't understand this. So the disciples will say, don't. Verse number um, 13. And the disciples rebuke those who brought them. And look at Jesus' reaction. But Jesus saw it. He was greatly displeased. And said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of God. And surely I say to you, whoever does not receive Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as these little children will by no means enter it. Verse number 16. What does Jesus do? And he took them up in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. The Father's touch. His disciples said, don't, don't, don't touch. You see, one of the things that affected a lot of people during this lockdown is when we couldn't get affection from people. Help us, Holy Spirit. But some some of us have been so messed up that we don't want anyone to touch us. Which is not a healthy thing. It is not healthy. It is supposed to be healthy, With me and Ostea, we can touch. And that's why it affected so many people when you're in lockdown and you don't see your brother and sister. And if your person says, well, you know, it doesn't bother me not seeing anybody. Well, there's something wrong with you. There is. There's something wrong with you. Something's happened. And you need to go check that out. Because Jesus, God in the beginning says it's not good for man to be alone. If you just love your own company, there's something wrong with you you hear what i'm saying something wrong with you because you're supposed to want to be in that social setting with people i'm not saying you shouldn't have a quiet time but when it comes to your children fathers are supposed to be in a place where they can touch their children just like what jesus done the disciples trying to rebuke him jesus says no Bring them here, because if I'm going to impart, I'm going to have to touch you. And Jesus knew exactly how important it was for children to feel love and acceptance. Fathers, we got to touch, but not always touching with strap. Not always touching with a piece of stick. That is not how we conclude, and that's not how we put, we, we, we describe love. The touch is important. Someone say the touch. So it's important that in our homes, when children, especially when they're small, that when the children want to come, uh, for those new fathers, don't push your children away. It's important you find time to touch. Someone say amen. The second thing that's important it's, so the first, the power of touch is important. The second thing is the power of praise. The power of praise. Because in verse number 27 of Genesis 27, he tells Jacob, thinking that it's Esau, but he, he, he tells Jacob, he says, My son, you, you smell like the field. I don't know if that's a good compliment to say you smell... Like the field, but that's where he's coming from because he's he's a ruddy type of person. But he was just what he was doing is paying compliments. The second thing a father needs to do is pay compliment to your children. Don't always keep criticizing your child. Don't always keep criticizing my child like your child don't have no issues. With our children, we try to make sure you find the best in your children. Because sometimes we're raised too harsh. And we go on, if our children make any kind of mistake, we are so harsh. Because where we focus it is on the wrong thing. We focus on all their mistakes. And if you're going to build them up as a father, we're supposed to build up the self-esteem of our children. We don't leave it for the schools. We don't leave it for the systems to do that. It starts with you. Fathers need to know the power of their voice and how to make sure they speak positive things to their children to build their children up. Because once they go out in the world, they're going to have so much other negative stuff they have to deal with. When it comes to their fathers, fathers, you need to speak positive things to your children. Pay them compliments. Communicate through word how proud you are of your children. Build up the self-esteem of our children. So they don't have to keep looking elsewhere. Lord have mercy. If we can spend some time, because we get, and sometimes these things, I'm not even talking to people in the world, I'm talking in the church. Because sometimes we can encourage the church folks, but we ain't encouraging our family. We can speak well of the church folks. But we don't speak well of our family, and so we need to make sure we let our children know how proud we are. Let acknowledge our children, acknowledge their achievement. Other people may be jealous of them and want to pull them down, but as a father, I lift them up. Other people may be jealous. well. Why are you always talking about Ireland, Shara, America? And why are you always because they're the, my children. And I'm proud of them. They're great children who has a great dad. Help us, Lord. So we speak of their achievement. Celebrate their achievement. When they achieve something, celebrate it. Go out of your way, celebrate the achievements. That's that's the difference between a dad and a good father. Because these are some of the things that were missing. That's the things I had to learn as I went along the way. Because these are some of the things that I I, I needed for myself. That validation. Speak positive. Speak good words over your children. Here, the third thing. So the second thing is the power of praise. Show affection and love. Because in our culture, men don't like hugging. Remember when trouble was younger? You know, always because uh, uh, I wanted to break that cycle. I wanted to break that cycle because you know, those of us who come from Jamaica, you know, there was a lady who came up to us yesterday because when me and my wife were, were, were walking, we hold hands, and this lady come, she looked at us because uh, I wish, I wish my, me and my partner could do that. He wouldn't hold my hands. Because sometimes this culture thing we have that we can't hold hands with our wives. Exactly. Culture. You know, you walk into the street and your wife must walk a couple of paces behind you. And you can't hold hands. Because some of us were broke. Because of how we were raised, we didn't see affection in our homes. And so we have a problem when it comes to showing affection, to embrace and to hug. And so I wanted to break that cycle in my home. So when I was young, always hugging Ariel, always hugging Ariel And having little play fights when his mum wasn't around. to I had to show him some moves, who's in charge. But I remember when we went to school. I dropped him off at school. And I went to hug him. And he dogs! I ran in the playground, no hug, nothing left me hanging. Just and the worst thing, he didn't even look back, he just ran into the playground. Like, where's my hug? So now he's, he's done with that now, man. He's buried that, that's gone. But it's important as fathers, we know how to show affection because some of us is a struggle because no one showed us affection. I have some guys I work with. That when I go to hug them, it's like, well, hey, I will say, what's what's wrong with you? No, no, we don't. And when I talk, is that like, I realize their fathers don't show, their fathers don't show affection, and they don't know how to, you know, if we achieve something as a team and we want to do a hug, they just some of them you just get all awkward, get, you know, that we do it, you right. Like, because what I realize. Their fathers, whether through culture or whether through tradition, have not shown the generation how to be loving. Well, you normally love you. Well, show some affection. A father shouldn't have a problem embracing his son. Come on. We shouldn't have that. They're so disconnected, it's awkward. So love and affection, these are all part and parcel of a good father. I'm just telling you some principles that I missed out on. It's important as a good father, show affection, show love, know how to embrace. The third one is the power of the spoken word. Proverbs 10 verse 11 says, The mouth of the righteous is a well of life. The mouth of the righteous is a well of life. What are you speaking when it comes to your children? What are you speaking over them? It's so important because in, in verse number two, uh, Genesis 27, 28, what happened was Isaac began to speak to his son and say, may God give you the heavens dew and of earth's rich, richness, the abundance of grain and new wine. He was speaking. Speaking words over his children. In other words, those words you formulate and it becomes prayer. The words of prayer. Hear this carefully. The mouth of the righteous is a well of life. You're supposed to be speaking life to your children. You're supposed to be speaking good things over your children. Building your children's self-esteem. Speaking the right things over them to build them up. Let them know how valuable they are. But the Bible, same verse says, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. So what are you speaking? Violence covers the mouth of the wicked. It's a shame when you hear Men, especially men, when they speak, how they speak to their son, it shouldn't be. You should have the righteous, those of us who are righteous, those of us who are in Christ, always speak life. Speak life. Even in situations which are difficult, learn how to speak life. Pray good prayers over your children. What you want is a good outcome when it comes to your children. Speak about how special they are. Let God know. You tell God, thank you for giving me the best. When he gave you the children, he gave you the best. Sometimes the issue we have is that he gave us the best, but we didn't know how to treat our children as though they are the best. So sometimes the children are the product of our bad parenting. We blame the children when it's really down to our parenting skills. Lord. So in teaching, sometimes we have to teach our children. And sometimes it's not always going to be the nicey-nicey stuff. But we have to teach them what is right. Because especially now, when you talk about positive self-image... It's like, what happened to that? How children see themselves and how they view themselves is where is their positive self-image? Where is their self-esteem? So that's why we've got to teach our children. It becomes a responsibility for us in terms of communicating the right values and the worth to our children. So pray good prayers. Pray good prayers over your children and help them in where they need to go. And the last thing, as a father, what we need to do is make sure we prophesy over our children. The power of prophecy. Genesis 27, 29, and Isaac said to Jacob, may nations serve you. And people bow down to you. Be lord over your brother, and may your sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. So, in other words, he was. He was, and and you can see the pattern in, in Genesis chapter forty-eight. That whatever Isaac, whatever Isaac um, done to Jacob, Jacob done it to his children. He called his children in Genesis forty, and he lay hands on them. And blesses them. He follows a pattern. Oh Lord, help us. He follows a pa- a pattern. Some of us need to break certain cycles because the patterns are not good. That's why some of you struggle with being with being under a pastor, because a pastor reminds you of a father. And so the same mindset you have concerning a father is the same mindset you have concerning a pastor. The same mindset you have concerning people in positions of authority because the cycle is messed up. And so the cycle needs to be changed. Because Jacob, what he learned... From his father blessing him. He calls all of his children. Every single one of them. And he lays hands on them. And prophesies into their destiny. Where did he learn it from? He learned it from his father. What happened to him. He now becomes the recipient. And he now passes on the blessing. That's exactly the same thing. He touches them. He prays for them. He prophesies over them. And releases them. That's why. Some of us have to break the cycle. When, I, when, when um, Esau came, <laughs> Esau said to his father, Father, have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me even also, O oh my father, and Esau lift up his voice and begin to weep. When Esau came and realized what had happened, that Jacob had deceived his father and Jacob had received the right hand blessing. He, re- he received the superior blessing of what you were passed to the, the, the eldest son has a certain blessing because he's the eldest one. What happened was Jacob took the place and took the superior blessing And now Esau comes and he wants to be blessed. And he's now saying, is there any blessing for me? You've prophesied into into Jacob's life, but is there a blessing for me? And he lifted up his voice and his wept because there was no blessing. There is a pain when you want to be blessed and there's no blessing. There is a pain when you want a father to validate you and you haven't got a father. There is a pain when you're looking for some of the seasoned men to speak into your life, to help to give you direction, and there isn't one. Now, please, I'm not taking it away from the women. You've done an incredible job. Mothers, we, we, we applaud you. We thank you. You do an incredible job, incredible. But there's some things that fathers need to do. And when you can't find a father, and you're saying, Is there not one person? Is there no father who can bless me? Is there no father who can lay their hands on me? Is there no father who can speak into my destiny and into my purpose? Is there not a man? who I can go to, who can tell me that I'm going to be all right. It leaves such a void and that cycle needs to be broken. When all you have is a negative story and you want to break that negative story. Because as a a young man, every one of us, especially as a young man, you want to have a feeling of I belong somewhere. And you need sometimes a man to help you to give direction. And I know we're in a society that says, we don't need no men. We're in a society that put down men, that ridicule men. We're in a society that tells you, yes, you can have children all you want, and you don't need no man to, to, to help raise children. That, that's what we have is an issue. And I know when I was 15, 16, it became an issue for me. It doesn't take away what a mother does, but there's something about when a man like my apostle, when he lays hands on me and releases something into my life. It doesn't take away anything from what the women have done. There's not a, there should not be a competition between women and men. We're completely different. I want to encourage the fathers to continue to do what you're doing. But to remember, it's more than just your bloodline. Because we have some men who are saying, I wish there was a blessing for me. I wish this negative cycle would be broken. And that's why he was asking, is there not a blessing for me? Is there not someone who can bless me? And for some children they grow up really angry. And even those in the church, they grow up really angry because there was no father for them. Mothers were there, but there was no fathers. There was no father when it was my birthday. And like in our health, my wife when it's the birthday, my wife will celebrate. She'll make sure the children's there. Sometimes it's like, when is my bu- my birthday? Where's my father? When I've achieved something, where is the father that I can look to and say, look what I've achieved? I always keep joking with my wife, cause it's a good thing Ariel plays with drums and is not a footballer. Because we would have some issues, because Carolyn is not standing on no field, no mud to watch no football for night TV. We watch it on telly, but that's a hard thing to stand up on the field, you know. We just thank God he's a drummer. We can watch him in church. But when you have achieved something and you look around, I used to play games with Shara because when she's used to have her uh, things at school, and she said, Dad, are you coming? I said, no, I'm not coming. I'm too busy. And I can see her I go to her little assemblies. And when she comes marching in in the assembly and, the, and she's sitting down, and you can see her looking around because all the other parents is there and she's looking around. And then when she clock eye at me, it's like, yeah, dad's here. You understand? It was so, it's so important. The father's touch, the father's affection, the father's prayer and the father's prophecy. I've got Where You're encouraged with the word of God. For more information about Restoration City Church, please visit us at www.restorationcc.org.uk.